0: Get Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Game Over Vancouver. It feels like I haven't done this in a long time because I don't think I've done this in a very long time. So welcome. My name is Clay Emo. I'm Canuck Clay, both here on YouTube and on Twitter, and we are here to break down the thrilling, the enthralling, the amazing 3-2 Canucks victory over the St. Louis Blues in overtime, I just love it when we beat Jordan Binnington. I, I I can't deny it. And I love it when it's Petey scoring on Jordan Binnington. I don't know if it's that whole Calder Trophy thing that I'm still bitter about. I don't know why I'm bitter if Petey won it. But anyways, we have a lot of time to talk about that. I have an awesome guest that's going to be with me to help break it all down. So this is Game Over Vancouver. It's on SDPN, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. And as we get going, I invite you to... Subscribe to this channel so you can get all all seven Canadian markets. We cover every single game with a post-game show. Like the video as well. Like the fact that we are together. Like the fact that we are indeed talking about a Canucks win. Even though maybe I get it in the big picture, it might not be the best result. But I still get excited when they win. So as always, we're going to break down the game. We're going to talk big picture. And then we will do some Q&A at the very end. So tell your friends that you're here. Tell them to come and join us and I'll do a quick sponsor read. And then I will bring in my guest. Now I just got to find the sponsor read that I had it all ready to go here. Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live in play, or in one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com/sdpn or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Okay friends, I am thrilled to bring in wh- who I affectionately refer to as one of the OG podcasters, one of the OG. Is it cool that I say OG? He's one of the originals on Canucks, Twitter. And a really good friend of mine. We used to live like two minutes apart from each other. And uh, I'll let him talk about some of our history. But please welcome from Canucks Hockey Blog. This is Chris Golden.
1: Thanks, Hello, Chris. Clay. I mean, that was a that was a lit introduction. Are, are we allowed to say lit?
0: What's more uncool, you saying lit or me saying OG? I'm
1: probably both are equally bad.
0: <laughs> so, Chris, tell everyone who you are, where they can follow you on Twitter and both you and the blog. And maybe I'll let you kind of talk about how we met.
1: Yeah, certainly. So I'm Chris Golden. I'm at Lightforce, as Clay aptly described me, uh, an OG Canucks podcaster. Um, I am one of the co-hosts of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, which um, C4 stood for something. It was Chris and Clay's Canucks commentary, which was a riff on Clay's Canucks commentary. I inserted myself into that and added the Chris, but again, C4 just made a whole lot more sense. And over the years, um, you know, we, we, recorded in a a living room with fire trucks going by, cats nuzzling microphones, and we just talked puck. And, uh, you know, much like the, the band NSYNC, eventually a good thing had to come to an end, and the Justin Timberlake of the show clay emo here he went on to to bigger things but the show perseveres um we originally got our start with canuckshockeyblog.com we still represent chb but you can find the c4 podcast at c4podcast.com and listen in Uh, my co-host anna forsyth and i uh, we talk about all sorts of different things, primarily the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, you know we're you know big believers that there are some unheard or or less represented voices out there, and we we try to to elevate them in their their own right. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm I'm glad that you uh, you went through your your rolodex. You know, as 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 old timers call it. And you eventually got to my name and, and invited me. Thanks, Clay.
0: First choice today, bro. First choice today, I promise you. So Chris, thank you. And yes, I have fond memories of being in Chris's stuffy living room recording with cats crawling all over our backs, fire trucks ripping down Season Highway, but overall. Um, yeah we've been friends for over a decade now and um, they're still going strong so make sure you follow c4 podcast make sure you follow chris at Lightforce and uh and check out canucks hockey blog as well although the, the strength of canucks hockey blog right now is the c4 podcast should we talk about this game bro yeah let's i mean it was an interesting night if
1: you happen to be a canucks fan um some of you are probably pretty excited. Others, maybe not as much. Okay, I'm going to ask you. Reasons.
0: By, by the way, Kaya May, one of my two esteemed co-hosts on here, a lot younger than I am. She is Sean's age, and I've pointed that out to her many times. She asked, what's a Rolodex?
1: <laughs> what's a Rolodex? Um, think of it as the non-virtual contacts app on your phone. Beautiful. Um, which we had to... Roll the cards to find everyone. Yes. That, that was like the upgraded version of like the white pages that we used to get.
0: Manual labor. Manual labor for sure. So I wanna we won't go well, I we could go through every goal, but it's pretty easy. But I, I just want to talk in general terms and maybe your philosophy will come out in your answer, Chris. Hmm. What were your reactions when Kuzmeco scored with 29 seconds left? And what was your <laughs> reaction when Pettersson scored with only 15 seconds left? Floor's yours. Okay. I mean
1: honestly. I am conflicted um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I'm a, I'm a big Kuzmenko fan. I was excited that the Vancouver Canucks found a way to keep him in the fold, uh, despite every you know sense of my being, thinking he would be uh, an asset that might be traded uh, come deadline day. Uh, I am a big Petey fan. I love that Petey decided, yeah, I don't want this game to go any further. It's over now and and end it. Uh, much like you, anytime you can you know stick a fork in Binnington, just stick that fork in and the Vancouver Canucks um, hadn't had much success. So again, like I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. However, I feel that the team is in a position that it really needs to maximize its draft potential and two points makes that a little bit tougher. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult spot to be in. I mean, let's be real here. The Canucks played the game, I was going to say fast and loose. They played it loose, but they were putting pucks on the net all night long. Like they deserved to have that two point effort. Um, you know, was that goaltender interference on the, the first Miller goal, non-goal? Yeah. I don't know. Eh, I don't know. Uh, was that to uh, St. Louis blues goal, actually a high stick. I mean, it, the puck clearly changed directions. So are you telling me the stick wasn't above his shoulders when it did? Like,
0: yeah, that's, uh, you not know, tall. Yeah.
1: No. All right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's said you have good teams get, have good luck, bad teams, not so much. And Vancouver Canucks, um, I, I, I hate to say it. They're not that good of a team in the grand scheme right now. Right. I mean, the record sort of speaks to that point. So right. yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted.
0: And, and Chris, you know, even back in the day and the Canucks were a lot better when we were podcasting together, I would never want to see them lose. I never, I couldn't even say the word tank I, I mm-hmm. seriously, you know that, but then I, I want to show like at least some of the viewers that i at least have half a brain and that I understand. I understand the ramifications of an extra point here and there, but <laughs> I, I'll tell you in my heart of hearts, when I thought they were going to lose when it was 2-1 and it didn't look like they are generating a lot of pressure throughout the third period and then they pulled a goalie and a couple of close chances but I did yell when Kuzmiko scored and me, Kayla, Jacob and and, and Gail, Sean was out, Sean's out tonight. We we were cheering when, uh, when PD scored and I don't know if there's the Bennington factor or the fact that my innate reaction is still I get excited when the team does well or when PD does well and I can't deny it although I get that yeah, I, I get that. That's two points that some would say we wish they wish they we didn't get tonight.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, just sort of casually looking at Canucks Twitter and seeing the uh, the visceral reaction from some, yeah, um, you know, not too happy. But I I agree. Like when when Kuzi scored that goal, I was excited, and I could not now necessarily tell you if it was the Benninga factor, like you had mentioned, or, sure. um, you know, it was a a real hard fought goal. I mean, rewind to uh, Hughes essentially, you know, ending a, what should have been the the game winning or, you know, two-goal lead to, to end it. And I had actually commented out loud uh, saying, oh, good play by Hughes. And my wife's like, oh, you're talking during Canucks games again? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I think deep down, the Canucks fan wants the team to succeed. Yep. I just, I feel that, you know, they might need a few more things to happen
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be successful long-term. Sure.
0: G- great answer. So we're going to talk about the big picture and what the next week's going to look like in a second, but let's quickly talk about this game. A couple of things that stood out to me. I want to talk about Atu Ratu's debut as well. So that first uh, disallowed goal, which, you know, Myers, we all saw the replay. He wasn't, he was trying to shoot. It just happened to deflect off a St. Louis player right to Miller. Garland right on the edge of the crease. Yes, he did make contact with Bennington, but Bennington was trying to save on Myers. Nothing to do with trying to get over. Regardless, uh, you and I joked about when we did our tech test. I, I know I tweeted, th- that challenge took so long, I had time actually to go out and buy my own iPad and do my own coach's review. You know, that was brutal.
1: Well, so I understand that it is a, a fine line and they're using technology to ensure that the right call gets made. Yeah. But yet, from a, a game entertainment perspective, <laughs> I mean I Shorty was like do we have a clock on this? I actually would have enjoyed seeing a clock and having some music, you know, how many times can you loop the Jeopardy theme? Yeah. If it's honestly that close, you're likely you know getting it wrong. Yeah. I mean I, I I know they're trying to get it right, but what is it you're looking for that it takes so long? Yeah. I mean I, again, you look at the high stick, you know, later on, it wasn't as long of a, a of a review and yet Quite clearly, the puck changes directions. So, like, what is it that was the so much clearer in that review that they didn't have access to with the, the interference? And I, I just, I, I get so irritated when I see goaltender interference where the goaltender is the one initiating contact right. in the white ice.
0: No, nope, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And I saw some sarcastic, sarcastic tweets of now the goalie can just start launching himself into, into opposing players. By the way, in the chat, there's 40 of you in here, which is awesome. Like the video, like the fact that I have light force on here with me and in the chat, talk to each other, talk to each other and tell us and tell each other. If you thought a, that that Miller goal should have been overturned and B, if you thought that St. Louis goal should have been overturned. So, what a what a sequence for Team Tank in that not because we lose the challenge, the or they win the challenge, the yeah the goal doesn't count, but it's because there was gonna be a delayed penalty anyways. So we go mm-hmm. to power play, and if you want the Canucks to score, you think okay, here's a good chance. Then Quinn Hughes does a very lackadaisical back pass, PD gambles, and then it basically becomes a breakaway for the guy's name I can't even pronounce, Toropchenko, and he puts it past Archer Silas, one nothing with a shorty.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, that sequence where we saw, you're right. Alexa does go back pass PD gambling. Like I, I understand what PD was trying to accomplish, but I feel like being that he is the forward who, and the last man back and last man back play the pass, give your goaltender the shot, right? Like that's probably the better percentage, but PD's a go, you know, go big or go home kind of player. But how close was Bovillier to actually breaking that breakaway up like he got a stick yep. uh, and was able to lift it just happened to be not enough to disrupt the the actual shot as it took place and yeah i mean we might get into a little bit later but like Boville is really impressed upon me his um give a stuff meter i mean yep. i understand we're on youtube i want to keep this pg-13 um but yeah i mean you're right the shorthanded goal really changes the dynamic of of the game sure. But these are things that I think are good for us to see from this team mm-hmm. as they transition into whatever twenty three twenty four will look like. Good,
0: yeah. Actually, good point, Boville. A great hustle play. But then Torpchenko, uh, credit to him, he was strong enough on a stick where he actually mm-hmm. had it lifted and he still got a stick down, put to pass. He loves. Then the second goal. Um, yeah, we talked about the high stick, not a high stick, whatever. That actually, actually, all started. Um, when I think Quint, uh, the puck rimmed around the boards, and I thought Quinn Hughes made a very slow move. He could have cut it off, but he didn't. And then the puck kind of bounced around, and Sevlas had no chance. You you saw that angle where right 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 from the blue line, he didn't even see it, and you can't guess because it's just going to go through you. So yeah. and the Canucks are down two nothing going to the third. What were you thinking at that point, or is that when you were getting your pizza for your family?
1: Uh, no, so uh, when that second goal went in, is when I hit the road and got the pizza. I mean, yeah. I I presumed it was a done deal um, you know and it, historically as a Canucks fan we see these games all the time the Vancouver Canucks throw everything but the kitchen sink at the opposition yep. goaltender the opposition goaltender looks like the you know next coming of Patrick Wah it, it, it's just the way as a Canucks fan the world rotates mm-hmm. But then the Vancouver Canucks team that played, you know, just a few nights ago in Nashville showed up in the third and decided, hey, let's give these patrons who came to this game some good value for the ticket and provide them some bonus hockey. And, uh, you know, credit to this team not giving up, which I don't think we could have said all that often earlier in the season. There was a lot of, uh, hey, game over, let's go home.
0: And the Canucks did dominate uh, from the shot perspective. 14-6, 11-7 or whatever, then 14-5. So it starts off, you think you give up a a power play with 10 minutes left in the game, down to nothing. It's not looking good. But Pedersen knocks that pass out of midair and a beautiful saucer pass. He, you, you just, PD is so smart the way he drew the defender out just enough to lead him in, saucer pass. And Miller, Miller's got a great shot and uh, that was nice to see.
1: Yeah, that shorthanded goal was was a beauty. I mean, Bennington was guessing shot, yeah. like, or sorry, not guessing shot, guessing pass to the, yeah. the Miller shot. And Miller was able to get that puck off his stick so fast that there wasn't anything that Bennington could do to, to, to catch up. Um, the shorthanded goal was great, but even then I still didn't necessarily feel yeah. that the Canucks were still had it in them. Like it was, ah, oh, there's a nice, you you're telling me they have a chance. <laughs> But more of the same, right? You got it. Uh, St. Louis getting in front of the, the pucks that were coming on net, blocking yeah. quite a few of themselves. So like it just it wasn't gonna be the Canucks night until it was.
0: Truly game of interest. Justin Falk goes for the empty net, then it just grazes the post, icing. Then I don't know, if you remember this. Then they won the face-off again, and then he mm-hmm. just looped it up like this high. And it only lands at center. The Canucks gain the zone and Kuzmenko, Mr. Clutch, another goal with 30 seconds remaining.
1: Hey, just give this kid some Coca Cola, a banana, and a map to the rink, and good things happen.
0: Yes, I'm not sure what he was drinking or eating on the bench today. And then, of course, uh, a pretty uh, exciting overtime. It, you know, we've seen some dogs of overtimes, but this one wasn't bad. And then um, you just knew, you just knew they were joking about Ethan Bear being out there what seems like eternity. Then yeah. I think it was, uh, I'm not sure it was Bovillier or whatever, holding the puck and basically letting PD wind up from his own blue line, looping back, cutting in front of the net. And you just saw the St. Louis defender reminded me, you remember when Bo Horvat was walking all the blues guys in, in the bubble <laughs> kind of remind me of that. The blues guy just points to Falk. You take him, And I actually think folks positioning was fine. It was just a sweet shot.
1: Yeah. Well, no, and that's, you know, uh, you know, skill at play there. He, he had speed. Yeah. Um, and arguably he, he picked a spot in the net, put the puck there. I mean, I had said earlier, He just decided he didn't want this game to continue any further and and ended it. I mean, I feel he has that power in him. Um, The lead up to that, and if we rewind a little bit further, Mm -hmm. um, I think was it Miller was trying to get off the ice and shouting, don't give me the puck, uh, which caused, I think it was Bavillier who had it. It was like, oh, maybe not. Uh, Gave St. Louis an opportunity. Thankfully, nothing came out of it. uh, Because Bear, I think, had been on the ice as well for yeah. Like a minute or so like he and miller had not been able to get off so
0: yeah i mean it worked
1: out it worked out in the canucks favor uh again as
0: a fan did it work out yeah some of you may not agree they weren't used to miller giving instructions without slamming a stick on a net or something like that
1: yeah well i mean he he is maturing we've we've seen we, this we this change in him now that uh you know yeah i mean Pedias said as much that you know, they've they've come to to know each other well
0: and right. others have, have, have said that. So maybe, maybe Miller's growing. Love it. The talking effect. So two more things, uh, Chris, and we'll wrap up this first segment. You mentioned Beauvillier. Yeah, I've seen some hustle, yet at the same time, he didn't play the last 10 minutes of the third period. We mm-hmm. always know that the uh, coach will go from four or four lines to three. And it's not just benching the fourth line he'll take usually his nine best guys and whether you're protecting a lead or trying to catch up and tonight we saw i think it was drys it was bovillet and it was ratu who ended up not playing a lot in the third because i do remember seeing oman and joshua and stanika out there having said that bovillet still winds up with 16 minutes yeah he, I, he gets another assist so i believe that's seven points in nine games or seven and eight for him what have you thought of his play overall I have been impressed.
1: Like when we look at the trade, um, Bovilliers seemed to be more of the perceived throw in, um, yes. to, to, you know, facilitate the deal. Yeah. And yet since he's come to, you know, play for Vancouver, I mean, he's providing point production, uh, maybe not equivalent to what left in Bo Horvat, but, uh, you know, that's, a pleasant, uh, you know, surprise or development. Uh, the kids got some hustle. I mean, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, that uh, that uh, shorthanded goal that was scored, I mean, he put on the Jets and and nearly broke that play up. And that's that's a, something that, you know, on our podcast, uh, we've talked about. There's many Canucks forwards who don't have that hustle. They don't have that give-a-stuff meter um, enabled right now. And, and, you know, is this... Something that will be sustainable and improve upon season over season, I haven't a clue. Yeah. But if at the end of the day you were to tell me, like, "Hey, this is a kid who's wanting to, you know, prove his worth, and he's going to to give his all," I'm all for it. That's the type of hockey I love watching. Sure. I think you know, as a Canucks fan, more recently, it's not so much the the losses that irritate me the most. I mean, they do, but it's the perception that I watch the team play, and they don't. Care, there's no hustle. Yeah. You know, give me that exciting game. Yeah, you lose five, four, five, three, but at no point am I bored. Sure,
0: sure. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And let's talk about Aturatu to finish off this first segment. Bunch of zeros, uh, except for one hit. And 67% face-off. So I'm guessing he went two out of three and not four out of six or six out of nine. I don't think because he only plays seven and a half minutes. I did notice him in the first period. uh, They made a point of him um, taking a right, uh, a face-off right-handed, even though he's a lefty, Mm -hmm. but overall uh, safe, sheltered minutes, obviously didn't play a lot in the third, but what did you think about Ratu and what can you, we expect from him?
1: Yeah. And I, it's hard to actually measure a kid who's getting less than a you know half a period of play in a game um just under 8 minutes total yeah what did we see i think we saw a kid who sees the game well um seems to be intelligent uh, on the puck doesn't necessarily have that first step um the present <laughs> no right like and i mean hopefully that's something that can be worked on uh, you know down the highway in abbotsford yep. um i'm not going to go and say oh yeah i'm i'm disappointed or yeah he's this is great. Vancouver Canucks Stanley Cup next year based on this this limited uh, you know type of play. But if the Vancouver Canucks make deals like these where they bring in potential, uh, some high ceiling players, work on their development and allow that to facilitate, you know, cap space and, you know, further prospect acquisition. Give us all the, you know, atoratus that are out there.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I was telling my son, Sean, I would love to see. I don't know if they'll be as good as the Rangers kid line. But imagine a a few years down the road, and we're talking about a solid third line of Ratu Mm -hmm. between Hoglander and uh, and Pocosin or something like that. That would be exciting to me. And you you kind of made that point of, let's see, Abbott doing well. They're in a playoff position. Let's see how well some of these guys get developed because there's really no rush for them.
1: No, not at all. I mean, that's like him getting called up uh, for the the road trip. I guess a combination of necessity um, with who's healthy. (laughs) But then I'm also perfectly fine with uh, the team rotating players through to get a good look, give them a taste of what sort of the NHL game is like in preparation for what is hoped to be a longer AHL run uh, down in Abbotsford.
0: Great point. Great point. And Ryan Johnson, uh, GM of the Abbotsford Canucks also said that we can expect to see Tristan Nielsen, Archie Baines, Danina Klimovic, Linus Carlson, and a bunch of them going forward. Well, oh, hey, Chris, I think we let's wrap a bow on that part of our show. We will take a quick Two-second pause so I can insert a mid-roll ad, and then we'll move on to our second segment. So we are one week away and a day. A week from tomorrow is the NHL trade deadline, Friday, March the 3rd. Canucks have three UFAs. Bo Horvat gets traded to the Islanders for three assets. Andre Kuzmenko gets signed for two more years. And then the third one is Luke Shen sent home. So uh, a way to trade, uh, not just the arrival of their, their newborn, so talk to me, Chris, about Luke Shen, uh, where you think he might go and is anyone else in your mind on the table and should they be on the table?
1: Um, well, I mean, I can answer that last question quite easily. Everyone's on the table, save for Quinn Hughes and Pettersson. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I, I, I might even entertain the, the right offer for, for those players too. But I mean, I'm as a Canucks fan, I would, that would gut me. Um, <laughs> the luke shen uh destination i mean obviously i would look at you him going to whatever team is willing to to provide you the most like if there's a team out there that's like hey here's a second round draft pick yeah. which i think is sort of where value would be um you know a uh, second round draft pick comma first you know late one however you want to see it i think that's that would be the team i go and deal with but then also use that to to your advantage and you know float the the value out there. Uh, Toronto has apparently been interested. Uh, Rangers have come knocking on the door. Heard
0: Pittsburgh and in Boston too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I feel you have, you have teams that are probably willing to get a veteran presence, some safe depth on the, on the blue line in, in Luke Shen. And uh, I mean, he's, he's a proven Stanley cup winner, obviously. So, you know, it's, it, I've been told it's good to have guys like that in the room. You know, squeeze as much juice as you can out of that asset if you're Patrick Alvine.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned the the late first, second, yeah, because originally I thought, oh man, uh, Luke Shen on a contending team, he's like a five, six, seven guy, not a top four, even top pairing guy like he is for us. But then I've heard from many sources, and I've been reading it that they they want nothing less than a third, so nothing less. So that means a third mm-hmm. or a second. So I, I, yeah, and I,
1: I, 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 I there's probably out there. There's no way he's a first round pick. I'm not suggesting he is. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if you get a, if you get an offer that's there, that's the deal you take because there's just, there should be nothing better than that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's, um, you know, there's also thought about, about Shen is I, I know on my shows, Chris, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if he, he goes in place for a contender for a bit and then comes back in the summer. But would you agree with me? It's very rare that a free agent gets traded and then comes back to, to, to be with the team that traded in a way I think it's only happened once or twice. Yeah. I mean,
1: it, it's a, a nice thing to think will happen, Yeah, um, but there's so much that, you know, plays against you because the moment that that is now having conversations with an entirely different team <laughs> that you're no longer privy to, you know, there's some relationship building that's taking place as I would have defined as sort of the whining and the dining. And if that particular player is like, yeah, well, you know, I also want to explore the market, which they have every right to go and do. You're now competing against everyone, whereas prior to that trade, you're just competing against yourself, especially if the player is like, yeah, I want to stay. You know, I I, I sort of look back at sort of Bo Horvat. I mean, Bo Horvat, as far as he knew, he was coming back to Vancouver up until, well, he said January. You know, I don't know if that was – as far as the Canucks would probably plan on bring him back based on what we've heard about negotiations and the offers that were made to him. But uh, you know, someone like Shen goes somewhere else, probably not coming back. Um, but I mean, Dan Hamhuis I actually use that as an example. Uh, prior to him, leaving Vancouver. The rumor was, is he was on his way to Dallas for the deadline. Mm. Um, he had said he wanted to return to Vancouver. Vancouver had said, yeah, we, we'd like to explore an opportunity to bring you back. Uh, Ham Hughes had said he had thought there was going to be a deal. Something happened. Didn't ha- you know, turn out, uh, still felt that he was coming back. You'd be part of the t- uh, team's plans Went into the free agency, didn't get a phone call. Wow. And then finally, when he did, it's like, Hey, we're no, we're no longer interested. We've moved in a different direction. Yeah. You know, could this be, you know Luke Shen's experience. I hope not. I do hope the Canucks get something for him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get the damn ham. He was experienced there, <laughs> and if he comes back, great. But even the team might have decided,
0: "No, oh, we're going to go in a different direction." Yeah, great point. And it, it sounds it's almost uh, ideal or almost a fairy tale. Imagine Luke Shen, or even a say even a better player. Imagine if if Horvat, for example, you get three assets for him. And then you have this wink, wink, nudge, nudge deal that he's coming back. Then basically you've gotten three assets for free uh, (laughs) aside from, and I, that's why it sounds so appealing to fans that, that you can get, you trade away a guy and have him come back and you still keep those assets. But in reality, it rarely happens as much as you might want it to. Great. Great point about use. I forgot about that. That's a really good story. I mean, that's a really good point.
1: Yeah. And I, you know. I would defer to you as to even knowing if it does happen. I mean, I know players have returned home. Luke Shen has come back to Vancouver, having been here before. (laughs) So third time's a charm, maybe. Yeah, but I I think realistically, if he is dealt somewhere, you know, whether he comes back or not, has been diminished significantly because both he and the team might find they're just headed on different paths. Right.
0: Now, Shen aside, we... We know, especially with Beauvillier coming back, with signing Kuzmenko, there's a bevy of of forwards for sure. You have Kuzmenko, you have Beauvillier, you have Podkolzin, you have Hoglander, you have Garland, you have Besser, you have um, all these guys. Do you see the Canucks, should they be exploring a trade, as difficult as it may be, trading away a Besser or a Garland, maybe to improve the D or at least stock their prospects or add up some picks? What do you think?
1: Well, I would be surprised if you don't find a, deal for Besser or Garland, you know, would the Vancouver Canucks ask for too much? Maybe. I mean, the, the hot rumor is prior to bring JT Miller back, that was the problem they were asking for far more than the market was willing to bear at the time. I think Besser and his camp have come to the realization he's probably going to get dealt, Uh, Connor Garland, if there's a value to be had there and an asset can be obtained, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you you make that trade. Um, And in both of those deals, presuming you don't bring back bad money long-term, it works out well for the Vancouver Canucks in that longer-term scenario. And I'm much less happy to see someone like Brock Besser go yeah. I've been happy with Brock's performance. I give him a pass this year, considering his injuries that he's have to work through. Um, he came back from the sons of things too early, that injury in his hand, you know, reopened. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to have a surgical site, have to, you know, get rehealed again. So, you know, that that's, that's tough to to swallow. But at the end of the day, does Brock Besser help this team, you know, win tomorrow? Not in a current state. And if it's what gets you the, the future, the help that you need on the blue line, like tonight, the Vancouver Canucks had three, you know, NHL roster defensemen, um, yeah. you know, Bear, Myers, and Hughes. And I was listening to uh, you know, Hust Radio 650 on the way to get my pizza, and they were having some trouble saying that that was three NHL players, and Hughes was not the one that they had an issue with, right? So mm-hmm. I feel that the Vancouver Canucks, to your point, do need to find ways to not only creatively get out of their cat situation, but find a way to improve upon what they have had as an issue for, what, over a decade now? And that's the blue line.
0: Yes. And Chris, I've been telling people um, that I'm willing to, as much as people might be upset with Rutherford and Alvin with the way maybe Boudreaux was handled and maybe the Horvat trade or at least the discussions. I've I've been saying to everyone who will listen that I'm willing to wait until the end of the summer. I want to see what happens on this trade deadline next week. I want to see what happens up until the draft and through the draft and July 1st. And mm-hmm. by July August, I know it's four months from now, that's when I'm gonna make a, a really good, concerted uh form a good opinion about what this management team, but I'm I'm willing to give them Yeah, they were here before last summer, but it's been a full year now. And I want to see what they do with this trade deadline. Are my expectations too big? Or am I being too kind of easy on them? Or is that a fair take?
1: I feel it's very fair. In fact, I, I actually would have expected you to be even more fair than this, knowing you as I do. I mean, you know, let's consider, you know, you're right. This management team has been in place since what, middle of last year. They needed to get, you know, all of their sort of front office in order, all the hires in place, Mm. take a full, you know, 360 review of the organization, who they have access to, the directions to which they want to go in. Yeah, the Bruce Brugger situation was a tough one because, as we know, a coach who was hired prior to a general manager in this league is likely not going to last the term of their deal. Mm -hmm. And it did not look good that on the first after hours, Jimmy Rutherford's out there saying that, well, we already gave the coach an extension. He's back this season. Not a good thing to hear when the coach was an option. Like, I mean, yeah, that's bad. And I'm, I, if you listen to my podcast, I was quite explicit in my uh, disdain with how the burst situation had been handled. Yet we also have to consider they inherited a lot of these issues. Sure. The JT Miller deal not entirely sure that was the deal to make considering the direction as to which you had said you wanted to go, giving yourself cap flexibility. Deadline comes by, they're hopefully going to go and make some deals. Uh, but I also think you're right. Cause if we wait until the off season cap flexibility becomes a little bit easier because now teams can exceed the cap to a certain percentage. That's oh, yeah. not something they can do right now. Yeah. And so, you know, I saw someone in chat here talk about, well, jt miller why would they go and, and and deal him they just signed him if, if the vancouver canucks aren't in a uh, you know win tomorrow team jt miller doesn't help you with that contract you know jt miller is the win the win tomorrow player so if you can get that off your books to give you the sort of reset flexibility you make that deal yeah. but that's not going to happen by deadline yeah um You know, I mean, mm, sure, maybe, but very few teams out there could probably take that contract as it exists today on their books, let alone what that means for them next year when the actual deal kicks in.
0: Yeah. I'm going to ask you one more question. Then I'm going to have you bounce out, bounce in for our third segment. So, Chris, you got a couple minutes to answer this one. To you, what does a successful trade deadline look like for the Canucks?
1: Um, I think it's very simple. One, use your cap to maximize what it is that you can acquire. So, take if you take some bad contracts on, um, you know, you do so for this season. This season doesn't matter as much, obviously, uh, but make sure that you're not taking on contracts or bad deals uh, that hit you long term. Two, if there is an offer on the table that is reasonable for someone on on your roster right now that's not named Pedersen or Hughes, you, you make that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, And three, be realistic. If this team starts bringing in more players that help them become a cup contender tomorrow, I feel, you know, they've lost the plot because this team is is not one or two pieces away from being a cup contender. And if someone, someone said, Oh, the Thatcher Demko got hurt, that, you know, set them back. And, Oh yeah. You know, as you said, Chris, they they've had a tough go on the blue line with injuries and, Hey, you know, you know, Brock Besser was hurt. Good teams persevere through all of that. Mm. Yeah, maybe not as much as the Vancouver Canucks have to go through, but that's also indicative of the lack of depth the team has. And that's what I think that the Vancouver Canucks need to focus on: build that depth up organically, grow prospects within your system to produce young lines. And I mean, think back to what two or three years ago. When we had the the PD contract that they could have maximized the ability to, to use, where there was cap space, um, you know, Hughes was still on a, a, a really good looking deal. Um, Besser, to some extent, like young players, your core. That was the time to maximize. Unfortunately, you know, the previous regime didn't see it that way. Brought in contracts that don't help you maximize your window. And hey, look at what the new management groups having to sort out today.
0: I think that's a really good point. The fact that they basically inherited it. They've brought in a couple guys like the Dermots, and the Ethan bears, but really, yeah, this is uh they got to start putting their stamp on the team and maybe the, the shot across the bow was, was signing Miller instead of bull Horvat. So this is what we're going to do. Chris exit out of this zoom and then come back in and I'll, I'll make it work. Make sense. Makes sense. All right. We'll see you in a couple minutes for yeah. everyone else. Start to get your, your questions into the chat now and I'll keep Chris for another five or 10 minutes and we will answer your questions together. We'll get to as many as we can, might not uh, do as many as, as we want, but let's just see what happens. So once again, start getting your questions in the chat. Also, I will remind you to subscribe to the SDPN YouTube channel, like this video. And also while you're at it, you can also subscribe to me, Knut Clay, right here on YouTube as well. Um, I'm on my road to 10 clay, or as I like to say, I'm about 150 subscribers off of 10,000. So I will get there eventually. I would love for you to be a part of it. I do nightly Canucks videos, uh, nightly Canucks live streams, and I do daily videos as well. And just like that magic, Chris is back. Chris, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Awesome. Let's get to some questions in the, in the chat. So everyone that's here. Thank you. There's 40 of you in here. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, What do you want to ask me Uh, more importantly? What do you want to ask Chris about tonight's game about um, his nice haircut about the C4 podcast Canucks hockey blog? Uh, We'll start with fan girl says, Hey, Chris, do you think the Canucks should sign college free agent, Jake Livingstone? So, um, this right shot D man that I've learning a little bit about, but I don't know a lot about him yet. Do you know anything about him and not to put you on the spot?
1: Yeah. So I, in fairness, don't, um, I would have to, in, uh, my podcast defer to my colleague, uh, Anna Forsyth because that's her wheelhouse. It's one of the reasons why I think, uh, we do so well together. She's the smart one and I'm the voice, but, um, you know, if I were to consider, him as someone that you could bring on, on a, on a show me deal or a reasonable show me deal. Yeah. I'm all for it. And I, I, I use what we saw from Kuzmenko as an example. Kuzmenko came in on a one-year deal that if the Vancouver Canucks were to have found that he wasn't actually the NHL player that everyone thought him to be, Hey, it doesn't hurt you. Um, <laughs> but then the risk you have with that is then him getting the deal he now has. I love that he's back as I had said earlier, but you know that's sort of your situation in. So I, I feel if the team is truly going to hit the reset and rebuild or whatever they want to call the magical button, um, yeah, make yeah. a make a reasonable offer, bring them in on a on a show me deal, one or two years, uh, for reasonable money, yeah. but don't go and then set the expectations. Ah, this is the kid that's going to go and
0: become our next uh, rookie of the year. Right. Uh, well said, and I, I've seen some scouting reports that he maybe will max out as a third-pairing right-shot guy. So, you know, um, I, I think of names like Brogan Rafferty and Josh Tevis. Remember these guys that would bring him <laughs> in, and we kind of get excited about them, but they in out of the organization within two or three years, so... Uh, Connor says this, and uh, it's very specific, but I'll kind of broaden it. He says, Wouldn't it be nice if one of the legendary Sidines became the next head coach? I'll, I'll walk it back from head coach because we got to give your talk at a chance. But do you see coaching in the futures of the Sidines?
1: Uh, you know, no. Hmm. But the reason I say that is I feel that if they were to go into coaching, they would probably want to do it together. And that's not to suggest that one couldn't be the head and the other one, you know, your alternate coach, assistant coach, uh, associate coach, whatever the A might want to stand for. (laughs) But I feel that the role that they have now in regards to sort of player development and sort of a behind the scenes probably works better for the dynamic that I, I perceive the two is the wanting to have like, imagine them working their way up into sort of general manager positions. You could have in theory, uh, you know, a president of hockey operations, but a couple of associate general managers in charge of different areas. You don't necessarily have to have that GM as far as I, I consider. And that's where I sort of see the sedines you know, going, but if you were to put me on the spot and say, you know, have one as a head coach, Hank, Danny's his assistant. It's 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 not like Danny's coaching another team. That just wouldn't happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, as brilliant as they were on the ice, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be the best coach. They they may be awesome. They may not be. But I definitely think that their intelligence overall could translate to more of a management role. I agree with you in <laughs> a coaching role. So that will be um, something to watch for sure. Speaking of coaching, uh, I'll answer this one. Kevin says, "Will the uh, no?" Derek says, "Can the Canucks have a new coach next year?" I understand um, that Talkit's, uh contract is two or three years. Does, does that ring a bell to you?
1: Yeah, he's, he's not here for a Bruce contract, yeah. um, which was, so the Bruce contract was one plus one, the plus one being an option.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I think Tockett's here for one, the current. So whatever this is, plus two. I agree. Yeah. Um, could the Vancouver Canucks have a new coach next year? Yeah, sure. Totally. But they don't bring Tockett in this season, And not expect him to be around next. But hey, I mean, this is a team that every so often comes and tells us that, hey, we're going to win the cup this season. I'm really excited about this young core. And it's going to be this year and doesn't. so.
0: (laughs) Kevin asked, will the Canucks trade Hoglander or bring him back up? Before you answer, it's very important to know that because of how many games Hoglander has played already in the NHL, if he plays two more games, then he is not... uh, he's not eligible to go down without waivers. He's, he becomes waiver eligible. So you risk losing him if you were ever to send him back down to Abbotsford. So that's why they need to take their time with them. Having said that, what do you predict his future is with this club? Um, This is a
1: tough one for me because like Hauglander is an asset. I, I, I like Haugie, but if you can deal him for something of value that helps you become a better team long-term, you make that deal now, does he come and play in vancouver this season no yeah I and mean, to your point two games if he gets those in you say risk losing him on waivers do you seriously think there would be risk there i think it's more likely they lose him on waivers um you know frankie mm-hmm. corrado uh, yeah. yeah we had a chance to talk to him on our podcast but he's a great example the <laughs> vancouver canucks at the time placed him on waivers believing no team would take him. And Toronto was more than happy to make that claim and sit him up in the press box. Wow! So Hoglander could easily be claimed as an asset alone of value by another team. And you can't risk that if you're Vancouver.
0: Awesome. Let's end with this one, Chris Uh, kind of, uh, I know you're a Canucks historian. So from Fangirl, what's your favorite Jim Robson call? Good question.
1: Oh, I mean the it's it's the one that I think is synonymous to so many Canucks fans of my, our generation. Um you know, you know, he'll play you'll know he'll play he'll play on crutches. I mean there, there's so many but that one I was so invested in that 94 run mm. and to see the outright, you know, savage dirty play from the man who i cannot even repeat his name I know of. I know I know and to then see Lyndon, you know arm draped around mclean just you know bleeding all over that those clean looking white skate jerseys yeah yeah like oh man to hear robson you know make that call and i happened to be listening to the game on the radio oh. uh you know so it was just like jim robson was able to describe the game in, in, in such a beautiful way. I think Shorty, um, yep. to his credit does, uh, batch as well, but Jim Robson just had just something. And I, I don't know what that something is, but I think most would agree that that is, that is the type of guy you want behind the microphone.
0: Love it. And then in, in the chat, Jay says for him, it's Greg Adams, Greg Adams. That was a good call. Too. Oh yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. That was, that was the Toronto, uh, uh, winner, right? Yes. When Toronto was in the West.
0: Exactly. Figure that one out. Figure that one out. Well, Chris, this has been awesome. Thank you. Uh, before you go, uh, please remind everyone where they can follow you and listen to your your wonderful work.
1: Yeah. So uh, I am on you know social media. I'm at Lightforce. Force. Uh, I don't uh, unfortunately uh, take part in conversation all that much as uh, as I've gotten older. Kids, you know, Clay. I mean, you might know something about this. They occupy a lot of your time. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Who would have thought that, right? But uh, you can listen to the podcast, the C4 podcast uh, weekly. We we push out a new episode uh, every Tuesday, save for the ones where there's a holiday Monday proceeding Um, and to find us at C4 podcast.com or on Twitter at the C4 podcast, Uh, myself and my co-host, Anna Forsyth, uh, you know, as I had said earlier, we, we talk about the team uh, from a slightly different perspective. I mean, she's a a Brit who got into the Vancouver Canucks during the 2011 run. Uh Uh, I'm a local boy who got into the Vancouver Canucks during the real awesome 1980s. So we have different perspectives as to what uh, Vancouver Canucks fandom has to be and uh, every so often we get guests on that might be a little bit uh, underrepresented and the reason why we do that is we want to help elevate the the voices that you might not always hear um and, hey, i mean this was this podcast as i said was 98 degrees until justin timberlake went on to do up in solo career himself so you know we get you on back and from time to time clay to, to to help the band out but you know anna was the one who said clay who and i have to <laughs> yeah. agree sometimes
0: no i i, I um I like how uh, Anna likes to poke fun and uh, I love her. I love your work and truly very grateful that you and JJ took a chance on this, this uh, good looking yet inexperienced podcaster back in the day uh, over a decade ago. So Chris, thank you very much for your time and your energy. I will let you get back to your lovely wife and lovely daughter and whatever cats you still have running around your house. And I'll, I'll get you try and get you back on here before the end of the year. Sound good. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for the invite there. Clay. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Take care. Okay, friends, that was Chris Golden, Lightforce on Twitter. He is excellent. And go, go listen to C4 Podcast. They, they do some really, really good work. Uh, they're one of the OG Canucks podcasts out there on Twitter. Thanks to all of you for joining us tonight. It was uh, whether you wanted the Canucks to win, whether you didn't want them to win, whether you wanted to be entertained. I think you, you definitely got the entertainment part. The Canucks don't make it easy on themselves, but they make you stay until the very end and they end up delaying the start of these shows, but that's okay. That's five minutes that uh, we'll gladly give them if you want them to indeed win. So on your way out tonight on this night where the Canucks win three to two, again, subscribe to SDPN. You can uh, get notifications then on all the shows here like this video and you can, we're also on podcast platforms too. So rate and review. If you're listening on SDPN game over shows on a podcast platform, You can follow me, Canuck Clay, both here on YouTube and on Twitter. Subscribe here. I do nightly shows. In fact, I'm doing one tonight. If you're still awake, two and a half hours from now at 11 p.m. Pacific time, I know it's late, I'll be doing my my nightly show as well. On Saturday, it's the Canucks coming back home for only one game. It's kind of weird. They play Nashville, St. Louis, come back home to face the mighty Boston Bruins before they go out to play Dallas in Dallas. And it will be Sam on the mic on Saturday night after the Boston game. Speaking of co-hosts, I want to thank Kaya, Kaya May, who was in the chat the entire time, making sure that nothing funky was happening. So thank you, Kaya, for being here. I appreciate you. And once again, love to Chris Golden at Lightforce for being such an outstanding guest tonight. So don't forget, Saturday night, it's Sam's turn. It's the Canucks and Boston. And thank you for being here and visit our sponsor, Sports Interaction. As well. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. Oh, and by the way, uh, my wife Gail kind of uh, booted me out of the room for a little while this morning when she said that my Arnold Schwarzenegger impression was horrible. So she kicked me out of the bedroom. But don't worry, I'll return. Take care, and go, Canucks. Go. Good night, everyone.
1: Game over. Powered by, by Sports, Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Sportsbook.